Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app. Miles Robinson's chances of making the United States World Cup roster for Qatar are essentially over. The Atlanta United center back suffered a torn Achilles over the weekend, and that's an injury that will have a huge impact for his national team, for his club team, and for Robinson's career as a whole, to say nothing of the personal impacts. The Athletic reporters Paul Tenorio and Felipe Cardenas are here today to discuss all of those impacts. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, May 10th. Felipe, it was tough to see Miles Robinson go down in the 14th minute. He knew right away, pointing to his left leg, gesturing several times, hitting the ground uh, with his fist, that this was an injury that was not just going to cost him the season with Atlanta, but most likely was going to cost him a chance to play in a World Cup, which is every soccer player's dream, and you know potentially to have financial ramifications that go along with it for any professional athlete. Uh, you were at Atlanta United training today. What was the takeaway uh, in Atlanta from the coaches, from the players about losing Miles Robinson? Yeah, today we spoke with uh, Alex DeJohn, who's, uh, you know him well from your days in Orlando, right? He came over from Orlando. He's going to back up. Uh, he's going to step in right now because George Campbell is also injured with a groin injury. Uh, he was the first person we spoke to today, and you know, he used the word devastated You know when he referred to uh, hearing the news, seeing a teammate like Miles Robinson on the ground, uh, clearly in very visible pain. And, and like you mentioned, uh, you know he he knew right away that this was something that was going to take him out for the rest of the season. And so uh, there's this the, the cliche of the next man up is is very much something that Atlanta United has adopted over the last few weeks because they are in a very obvious injury crisis. They lost Brad Guzan to an Achilles tear. Uh, they lost their backup goalkeeper to uh, Dylan Castanera to a, an, an Achilles tendon tear as well. Uh, Ozzy Alonzo tore his ACL. It was a contact injury in a game against DC United. And now Miles Robinson, of course, suffers another season-ending injury. So when we got a hold of uh, Gonzalo Pineda, his, you know, he, he mentioned the word uh, sad. That was that was the way he described the conversation that he had with Miles Robinson, uh, and he essentially said that there's nothing else that he can tell a player that's in that position. You know, he knew that this was a tough moment for him, uh, and Atlanta United is going to move on. You know, they're going to move on. Uh, I think curiously, Paul, he Miles Robinson was not listed, or this injury was not listed as a season-ending injury by the club in the club statement. Uh, so. You know, take that. You know, take that as you will. But I mean, clearly, he's in a in a tough spot trying to get fit for for the World Cup. Yeah, certainly 
orthopedics has advanced significantly in that we've seen ACL injuries um, become injuries that players can recover from, can continue their careers, and the timelines have grown a bit shorter. But it is worth noting that he would be on an extremely tight timeline to make the World Cup in November, let alone to return and play for Atlanta United in a condensed Major League Soccer season that will obviously end before the World Cup in November. The U.S. national team will meet uh, for camp in the World Cup around November 14th when players are released from their clubs. I think the MLS players might get together a little bit ahead of that if they can, Um, but it would be quite difficult for Miles Robinson to make this U.S. team. We just saw Aaron Long return to the U.S. national team after an eight-month layoff. And, you know, to come back from that and step right into a World Cup roster would be incredibly difficult. And so speaking to that, I'm going to pivot here and take a look at the U.S. men's national team center back depth chart. It's an area where I think we learned that this is a team that's a little bit more thin at this position than maybe people realize. Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman were the first choice center backs by the time we got to the end of qualifying. And they were quite good together for the U.S. men's national team. Chris Richards Uh, who is a Bayern Munich player who was starting in the Bundesliga every single week for Hoffenheim. is obviously another option at center back as a starter for Greg Berhalter's team. Aaron Long, as I just mentioned, came back from that Achilles and worked his way back into the U.S. team. I think he will be an option as well. Behind that, it's it's not a lot of proven commodities. Eric Palmer-Brown, playing at Troyes in the French League, was able to break into the U.S. team in the final window of qualification. He'll certainly be considered. We know Cameron Carter-Vickers, who had a very good season for Celtic, is going to be a part of the U.S. team in June. Berhalter said as much last week when he was in Washington, D.C. to reporters. And then you have two players who haven't really been in the picture of late, both veterans, both with a lot of experience, but with big question marks around them. Tim Ream at Fulham, uh, who's a player who... You know, has consistently started for what was the best team in the English Championship that's going up to the Premier League. And John Brooks at Wolfsburg, uh, a Bundesliga starter, a World Cup veteran who hasn't been able to break back into this U.S. team. And it doesn't seem like he's going to be a part of the June window from Greg Berhalter's comments. And having covered this team and and having a good idea of where the strengths are the, of the U.S. team, I think that Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman complement each other well. Uh, Miles Robinson, very athletic, very good in, in the defensive side of the game, his ability to cover space, um, to to track runners down, uh, very good defensively, I think, in the air, a little less so in the offensive attacking set pieces, though he did score an important goal last summer. Um, but, you know, they, they complemented each other well, and it, it will be interesting to see which way Burhalter goes. I, I want to point out as well that Chris Richards and Miles Robinson, in my opinion, were in a real battle for that starting job next to Walker Zimmerman, who somewhat surprisingly locked down that starting role over the course of qualification, Walker Zimmerman, that is. Um, And so it'll be an interesting, much more interesting summer and fall in that we now have a wide open race. And, And before, Felipe, I get your thoughts on this, Greg Berhalter released a statement today through U.S. Soccer, and his quote was, quote, we are devastated for Miles. He had established himself as a top performer throughout last year in World Cup qualifying. We will be thinking of him and wishing him a successful recovery process. So, Felipe, you heard me just rattle down the list of names of players who could step in for Miles Robinson. Uh, You were there at the Azteca when the U.S. played Mexico. You watched this team through qualification. Is there a name to you that stands out or maybe two names, maybe a name that will be the starter and a name that seems the most likely to be kind of that third center back that gets counted on the most? 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Um, because uh, yeah, I was talking to somebody today, a former Atlanta United player, who asked me the same question. Who do you have? Who are you putting in there? And my first instinct was to say Chris Richards. And I don't think it's because, hey, he's the runaway favorite. I think you're right that Miles, with all the, the work that Miles Robinson had done to earn the spot to be where he was, uh, he still had a lot of competition with a player in Chris Richards that is better on the ball, uh, is playing in Europe. Uh, is his ceiling is very high. You could argue higher than, than Robinson's at this point. And so that was going to be really interesting. That was going to be great for Burhalter to have that sort of depth. Uh, but miles has been the sort of player that, uh, just grew into the role. And so when I look at the list and, and I'm looking at the story that you and Sam wrote, you know, the first, uh, predicted roster for the world cup, uh, and, and Chris Richards still stands out, you know, John Brooks to, to your point, you know, the veteran there, He's like the U.S. version of Chicharito. I don't think he's going to be back in the team. And then everyone else just to me feels like if I'm a fan, like I'm uncomfortable with Mark McKenzie being the starter in Qatar. You know, Eric Palmer Brown, yes, he came on at the Azteca, but, uh, you know, you just want, are you just going to throw him into the mix in a World Cup? Uh, you guys have Tim Ream here. That's interesting. Like just that his what he brings to the table as far as veteran leadership but he can get exposed as well in ways that miles robinson can't so uh carter vickers again you know he may be he may push up into that number three role behind richards but if i had to choose my partner alongside walker zimmerman i'm going with chris richards and there are apprehensions there as well because he's a young player Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, and thank you for bringing up Mark McKenzie. That's a name I left off the list that should have been on it. Um, he's had an up and down season in Belgium. You expect those up and down seasons for young players, especially when they're transitioning from one country to another, from one culture to another. But Mark McKenzie certainly in the mix at center back. And, you know, I do think John Brooks is maybe the most interesting name because Greg Berhalter last week kind of alluded to the the fact that he wasn't going to call John Brooks in, that he wanted to look at players he knew less about, and he felt like he knew what John Brooks could bring, which was interesting because in the last window of qualifying when he didn't call John Brooks, he said that, you know, he he wasn't going to have time to to work on the things he wanted to work on with Brooks to make him a contender as a starter in the group, and that maybe something like the June window or the September window would provide that opportunity. Now it doesn't seem like the, the June window is the right window for Brooks. So cer- certainly, I think, like you said, it just looks like he's out of the picture pretty much completely. But when you lose a starter or a potential starter and you look down this list and this depth chart, I think you have to start to reconsider John Brooks as an option because his experience in the World Cup, and this isn't asking John Brooks to fly across the Atlantic and play in Honduras or play in El Salvador, places where he's frankly looked uncomfortable for the U.S. across two World Cup cycles, 
It's asking him to play at a World Cup against top-level players, something he does at the Bundesliga. And, and you know, I, I don't want to say does well. He also had an up-and-down season. He's going to be out of contract at the end of this season with Wolfsburg. They've made it clear that they're not going to re-sign him. I think that's indicative of the way his form has gone over the last year or so. But I think it would be difficult to argue that he's not just as good or stronger of a candidate than Cameron Carter-Vickers or Tim Ream or Aaron Long um, or even Eric Palmer-Brown, who, you know, has started to play consistently in France and, and perform pretty well. And, and you do get challenged, certainly in France, by top-level attacking players. Just last weekend, uh, Palmer-Brown was starting against PSG and defending mm-hmm. Neymar and Mbappe. So it's not as though he doesn't <laughs> see world-class players. Um so, Felipe, you know, one other thing I want to point to is something I alluded to at the beginning of this show, which is the impact for Miles Robinson's career overall. He's coming up on a contract year, not quite there yet, but he's certainly getting to a point where he's going to look for a new contract. We just saw Walker Zimmerman sign a new DP deal with Nashville. The World Cup is the best possible shop window for a player like Miles Robinson. That's now going to be gone. He's going to be coming off of an Achilles injury just as his fellow American Aaron Long is as well, who will test the waters of MLS free agency, we think, uh, after this season. What type of impact do you think this injury has on Miles Robinson's career trajectory, his potential to move to Europe? Is that is that off the table now completely? Is his best option to re-sign in Atlanta? And, and what do you think happens in regards to um, kind of where he looks to go and what he looks to do once he does get back on the field? Yeah, well, let's start with the World Cup as a showcase, because especially for a player like Miles Robinson, who, uh, you know, I reported on this too, he's not this player that these big clubs are coming after right now. There's interest, yes, if you ask his camp, there's interest. Uh, But I think he was was set up based on, he's a late bloomer, he's coming from college, you know, he started to hit his groove at the end of 2019, the pandemic hits, then he has this miraculous year in 2021. The World Cup for him was going to be it. Like he was going to match up, and I think he was going to match up very well with Harry Kane. Okay, we're talking about one of the best forwards in the world, and I think physically of the guys that we just mentioned, Miles Robinson is the guy to get that job done against Harry Kane. I mean, just in that sort of one v one matchup. And so now uh, he's not going to have that ability to show the world, to show Premier League clubs, Bundesliga clubs that he can play against the best um, in a tournament that truly matters. And so it is a huge, huge setback for a player like Miles Robinson. Now, from what I've reported and when I talk to people around Miles, like he loves MLS, he loves Atlanta, he's not pushing for a move to Europe. Uh, I think he was really biding his time, being patient and looking at 2022 as that, as that you know, the, the trampoline year to get to Europe. So it, it's a killer because... Like you mentioned, Aaron Long was just completely forgotten after the injury. And he was, I think he was at a similar spot where Miles was really trending up, much more of a technical defender than Miles Robinson. Um, And it's a struggle to get back to the elite level, even in MLS, to be once again a best 11 defender, uh, to be considered the best defender in the league as Miles Robinson has. So it's going to be a tough way back. Uh, the, The road to Europe, I wouldn't close it yet. But certainly, if you're a decision maker in Europe, you're concerned. You know, you're not going to see him play for the next six, eight months. Uh, you're going off of what you know from him. And I st- still think he'll have that shot. But personally, for a professional athlete to get this sort of injury a year before your contract year, like you mentioned, uh, that's not that's an uncomfortable spot to be in as well. 
Yeah, Miles Robinson, 25 years old. It's an interesting timeline for a center back. He's kind of in his prime at this point. By the time the next World Cup rolls around, um, you know, I think he'd be kind of in a similar spot to Walker Zimmerman. Certainly, you know, capable of playing in a World Cup in four years, um, but not necessarily capitalizing on the tournament the way so many players do by showing well and 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 in front of the the biggest stage that the sport has. Um, you know, we've talked about the impact on Atlanta United. We've talked about the impact on the U.S. men's national team. We've talked about the impact on Miles Robinson's career trajectory and even his potential earnings with an, with a contract year upcoming. I did want to take just one quick second to say, you know, it's difficult to have these conversations because my thought immediately went to Miles Robinson as a human being, watching that video of him pointing at his left leg, seeing the reaction, the look on his face, that he knew that he was missing out on this moment that, you know, as I said before, every player as a child dreams of going and playing in a World Cup and so few get the opportunity to actually do so. Miles Robinson was just months away from doing it. And, um, you know, the mental toll that that takes, the difficulty, I felt sick for him um, to see that moment happen, for him to know what it meant. Um, Just an incredibly difficult injury to watch. Incredibly unfortunate. That's part of sports, of course, but... Um, it's really, really tough not to feel for the kid and to feel for the things that he knew that he was potentially losing. And, you know, that's that was the, the first thought, first and foremost. And, of course, the business side of it comes along after that. But um, a difficult injury for the U.S. men's national team, no doubt, certainly will have an impact on this U.S. team in Qatar. For sure going to have an impact on Atlanta United, which has lost multiple leaders, probably the three biggest leaders on the team going into the season and Joseph Martinez is out with an injury as well. So probably the four biggest leaders of that team all hit with injuries, three of them major, major injuries, one uh, more with Martinez requiring surgery. So we'll see how Atlanta United responds as well. Um, and, you know, certainly Miles M- Robinson has a tough road in front of him uh, rehabbing this injury and getting back on the field. But when he does, you know, next season rolls around, he'll be 26 years old with every chance to to build up again and, and start looking toward that World Cup in 2026 and and certainly his impact on Atlanta United in the short term. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been an interesting conversation about Miles Robinson. I'm Paul Tenorio. He's Felipe Cardenas. This is The Athletic and Soccer Every Day. Thank you so much to Felipe and Paul for that. Before we go, a TV guide for today. There are games in the Premier League and in La Liga. And in La Liga, there is probably going to be a lot of eyes focused on Barcelona because they are Barcelona. They play at 3.30 p.m. against Celta Vigo on ESPN+. But if you're looking just for a game that's maybe more interesting in terms of competitive stakes, Barcelona, after all, is already pretty much wrapped up their Champions League spot. I would tune in at 1 p.m. to Valencia versus Real Betis. Uh, Betis needs a win here, and if they do, they stand a very, very outside chance of sneaking into the last Champions League spot in La Liga, and even if they don't get it, they will need a win just to secure their spot in one of the European competitions next year. That is at 1 p.m., on ESPN Deportes and on ESPN Plus. In the Premier League today, Aston Villa hosts Liverpool on USA Network at 3 p.m. And then later tonight, we have U.S. Open Cup games. There are a whole lot of MLS on MLS matchups, but there's one kind of interesting one I would keep an eye on. Inter-Miami versus Tormenta FC. Tormenta FC is from Georgia. They play in USL League One, so a division, uh, actually two divisions separating these two teams. 
And who knows? It's the magic of the cup. Anything can happen. In addition to that, at 7 p.m., we have Orlando City versus Philadelphia. At 7.30, D.C. United versus New York Red Bulls. And Detroit City versus Louisville City. Those are both USL championship teams. At 8 p.m., Inter-Miami versus Tormenta, like I mentioned. 8.30 p.m., Sporting KC versus Dallas. And at 10.30 p.m., LAFC taking on Portland Timbers. All of those games are on ESPN+. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.